You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. All right, City Church Downtown, will you guys please stand with us as we worship?
to have Doug back. Amen. Give it up. Uh, my name is Aaron Dockery. Uh, when I was preparing for this, I actually thought back to, uh, back to an actual childhood incident. It goes back to kindergarten, one of the few memories I had. I thought back to this time. I was coming in from an activity, and on this table, there were all these little plates. And on these plates, had two cookies, uh, at least I called them, they were Fig Newtons. I'd never seen them before, never knew what they were, and, and so I got to eat mine, and the first one I had, oh my goodness, tasted like eating happiness, it was just so good. And so the next one, I was just like, oh, I gotta savor this, I gotta savor this, I put it in my mouth, and it started to dissolve, and I was like, no, no, no! And, <laughs> went down, and I was like, oh, that was so good. And so I, I was going to ask the teacher, and I remember, I remember saying, ooh, I'm going to ask the teacher for one. She's probably going to say no, but still, maybe she'll say yes. And so I asked her, and she said no. And she said, no, you can only have that. And right at that moment, I remember saying to myself, oh, I can't wait to be an adult. I'm going to eat all the Fig Newtons I want. <laughs> Nobody's going to stop me. Fast forward. Suddenly, Fig Newtons turned into chips, into cookies, to pizza, to whole pizzas, to whole pizzas and breadsticks, to whole pizzas, breadsticks, and Mountain Dew. And I'd never really got, like, badly overweight or anything, but I, I remember the moment, totally fast forward, like, into my late 20s. I'm single. I can do what I want. I can eat whatever I want and I'm chasing this mode of satisfaction. And I remember going through this drive through at McDonald's, and please don't judge me, but... You know, I remember the order. I ordered three hamburgers, two large fries... Already? Really? <laughs> We're gonna pray for whoever said that. Three hamburgers, two large fries, uh, at the time, six-piece chicken McNugget, uh, Oreo McFlurry, large, and a large Heisey orange. And I remember driving through the window, and I'm feeling like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put all this down, yeah. And the guy says, man, is all this for you? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I get home, and I'm just cramming my face, and I'm working it all down, and I finish, and I feel nothing. I feel totally dissatisfied, and I totally feel empty, and I'm like, what did I just do? And that's when I realized that I had actually developed an emotional eating addiction where I was trying to actually fulfill something. 
you know, it's amazing the impact of a life event of our childhood or whether in our adult lives that can have on us ongoing to where it leads us down paths that can be unfruitful or destructive. And, and ultimately, we, what do we do with those thoughts? What do we do with those events? We bury them. We put them in our subconscious. We hope that it doesn't happen or we dismiss them or we make jokes about them. But the reality is, you know, it's bad because we're not free. You know, and it's interesting we're talking about this subject with emotional wellness right now. And we're talking about Independence Day. And suddenly there's so many of us who were so bound up by our past and what was that we're missing what is right now in our present. You know, we can celebrate tomorrow, today, barbecue, and celebrate freedom. We can celebrate freedom in Christ. But the reality is that some of us were sitting in an unlocked jail cell, and we're still sitting there, and we're waiting. You know, Paul actually says in Romans 8.1, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death, meaning that you are supposed to be free. If you know Christ, you're supposed to be free. But guess what? I grew up in a Christ-centered household. I grew up in church. And Fig Newtons was my gateway drug right there. Reminds me of a story. There's a story in the Old Testament. I'll summarize it just for the sake of time. Um, those of you who've been in the discipleship class, you know that I've talked about, we actually spent six weeks on this story. It's the story of Joseph. Uh, it's actually in Genesis 37 through 45. And ultimately, it starts out, Joseph is a young man, he's a teenager, he has a dream. And, and this is an awesome dream. He actually dreams that he's going to be coming into a, a, a prominent position and people are going to be bowing down before him and he's going to be elevated to a high position. Now, Joseph had a family. Joseph had 12 brothers. He told his brothers his dream. His brothers responded really well. They were like, eh, whatever. And then Joseph kept talking about it and so they, did, they got upset, and so they did what any natural family would do. They beat him. <laughs> Eventually, it got to a point where they tried to kill him. Then they're like, ah, let's make some money off of him. They decided to sell him into slavery. Fast forward, course of events. Joseph has some ups and downs, and he, he has a gift. But at the same time, he ends up in prison, and he starts to get old. He starts to get forgotten. And then eventually, Pharaoh, he's in prison in Egypt, and Pharaoh has a dream. And he hears that, okay, hey, can somebody interpret this dream? Nobody can interpret this dream. It kind of messes with the Pharaoh. And then eventually, he hears about Joseph, and Joseph ends up in front of the Pharaoh. Joseph interprets the dream. Pharaoh's like, this dude is smart. He elevates him. He puts him, he makes him second, only to Pharaoh. And and Joseph's dream comes full round, and now he's in that role. And it's to a point, actually, Pharaoh's dream was that there was going to be a famine in the land, and Joseph ends up saving a lot of lives. Eventually, the brothers of Joseph actually come, and here's Joseph in this moment. His dream's fulfilled. His brothers are there, and Joseph's like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, it's 
on. Joseph messes with him a little bit, but the reality is Joseph actually reveals himself to his brothers. And look at what he says. Genesis 45. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. You see, Joseph actually could disconnect himself from all of the past pain and hurt that he went through to realize that his present circumstance weighed much larger. And that's our big idea, is that your purpose is greater than your past. Your purpose is greater than your past. There's so many of us that are like, man, Aaron, you don't know what I've been through. Yeah, it makes sense, man, it sounds cool, but you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've had to do. You don't know what it was like. And you know, you know what? I, you're right. I don't. I really don't. But the reality is this. It doesn't matter as much as what has led you up to this moment right now. It's your purpose. So, sounds all well and good for some of you, but the reality is some of us have a hard time. So, what's the reason why? And we talk about this in the discipleship class. One of the reasons why is focus. Actually, uh, Lee Wong actually talked about this earlier in the year. He talked about the kingdom of God. There was a verse that he actually used, uh, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. Jesus is actually saying this to the disciples. He's actually giving them a blueprint on how to live their lives. So, you know, one of the things we talk about in discipleship class, I always say, you know, Jesus is saying, seek first the kingdom of God. There's a kingdom in play. Who sits on the throne in your kingdom? What? You said it. Come on. You sit on the throne. Thank you very much. You sit on the throne. You know how many spiritual people are like, oh, God sits on the throne of my life. Uh-uh. You sit on that throne. You're the one who made that decision. You're the one who put that food in your mouth. You're the one who has doing the drugs. Not supposed to be. You're the one who's drinking. You're the one who's making that decision. The quicker you own that, the quicker you start to realize that, okay, I'm on the throne in my kingdom. Now, where's your focus? Where are you aligned? If Jesus has to tell the disciples, seek first his kingdom, meaning God, his kingdom and his righteousness, his judgment, why would Jesus have to say that? Could, there, could it be that other kingdoms are in play? What other kingdoms are out there? What about your spouse? What about your job? What about your dreams? What about your hopes? What about your hobbies? There's so many other things that are fighting for your attention. And meanwhile, we're on our kingdoms, and we're over here. We're over here. We're, over, we're everywhere except where we should be. You know that earlier in that chapter, disciples, Jesus is talking to disciples about how to pray, and he, come, and he tells them the prayer, the prayer that we pray, the prayer that we sing, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Stop, stop, stop. It's a kingdom prayer. So many times we blow through that prayer, we don't realize what we're praying. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You know what you're praying? 
you're praying to be aligned to him, that his will is the same as our will, and we're aligned, so that your focus is there. When you're walking, where do you look when you're walking? I know this is so silly. You look ahead. Have you ever seen anybody walk like this? <laughs> Unless you're in a music video. <laughs> If you see somebody walk like that, what's going to happen? They're going to trip. They're going to fall. They're going to hurt themselves. Yet so many people. How many times have you ever been around somebody that all they can do is just talk about what the way things were? Somebody hurt them. I can't get over this. Man, you don't know this. Have you ever seen anybody drive while looking in the rearview mirror and just staring? What's going to happen? I'm going to get out the car. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> If you drive while looking in the rearview mirror, you will get into an accident. Yet there's so many people who live their lives, and they can't see what's in front of them. Your focus. You got your past. And your focus has to be now, now, now. Your purpose is greater than your past. Another thing I hear people talk about a lot of times, and they say, "Oh, Aaron, man, it's just so hard, man. I just can't wrap my mind around it, man. My mind just keeps reminding me of all the things I went through and and everything that I had to endure." Paul actually talks about this in Colossians three one. Since then. You've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. Your mind is supposed to be set. Your focus is on the present. So these are these are the spiritual things. Are supposed to play, but you know, let's look at some practical things. In in the book that、uh, Doug was mentioning,、uh, the emotionally healthy church. It's a good book. It really, it's a good book.、Uh, Peter Shishlaro. I'm messing up the brother's name, but it's a good book. He actually talks about some really good principles, things that you can actually write down. These are things you take some time, you write them down that you can actually go through.、Um, in terms of identifying things in your past that could. Actually, be playing an effect on what's going on right now. One of the things he talks about is identify how your family has shaped you. How was your parents' marriage? Some not everybody's come from good homes. You know, did you have a family that stayed together forever or not? How was conflict handled in your family? How was money handled? Was sexuality talked about? I can tell you what. In my house, where I grew up, and I was a pastor's kid. A lot of stuff and hard questions I got. I don't know if my parents are here. I can say something. A lot of a lot of stuff that I asked them was constantly met with, "Did you read your Bible?" It's like,、uh, Dad, I I just want to defend myself. I'm getting beat up at school. What's the Bible say? Never mind, Dad. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. For those of you who do have questions, we do have H2O that's here, and it is good. So if you do have questions in terms that you're trying to look at how to actually answer some of those things that are coming up in terms of your family, 
you know, H2O is a great place and a great resource that you can use. Another thing that Pichazaro actually talks about is discern the major influences that are in your life. Outside of your family, there are things that have occurred that are real. You know, birth of a child, unplanned birth of a child, divorce, abuse. Uh, for me, it was a Fig Newton addiction, but mine is small, but yours could be large. And those things, as you start to write those things down, those things have an impact on decisions that you make, whether you're conscious of them or not. And, oh my goodness, I'd be remiss if I'd miss, in terms of discerning major influences, there's a lot of us that we've gone to church, we've been around churches, and you might have gone somewhere where somebody hurt you in a church. In fact, you might be here today because you left the church and you were just like, man, I never want to go back to church again. I, I don't trust church. I don't, man, they, they always, they're always trying to either hock me for my money or my time, and I don't trust them. And look, I'll just be real. I know the way that I am. You know, you hurt me enough times, I'm going to disengage. You know, I, you know I'm not going to tell you I got a new phone and lost your phone number. I'm just telling you I ain't going to call you. <laughs> but yet, this is the thing. Even though we've all been hurt, even though you might not have had the family that I'm talking about, even though you might not have had the brothers and sisters that you wanted, you might not have had the environment, we are a body of Christ. And the body of Christ is filled with imperfect people. And this is the thing, if it wasn't filled up with jacked up people, you know, I mean, that's the whole reason why Jesus died. So. I expect people to not be perfect. And it leads us to the third thing, where it's actually becoming reparented to the church. Paul talks about it in Romans 8, 13. He actually says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then y'all are my family. And my family's brown. <laughs> and I like my family. You know, Fig Newtons today, I really can't eat. And it's not that I can't. I could probably eat maybe one or two, but I get nauseated. The smell, it's not like what it was. It reminds me of a, a past, a past desire that I was trying to fulfill that through food, it, it really didn't fulfill for me. And the reality is this. I've learned not to let my past define me any longer. In fact, I'm more excited today about who I am and where I'm going, and that all the events of my past have led up to this moment right now. And this is the thing for you. What you have to realize is that God has you. Everything that has happened 
all the crappiness that you've had to endure, all the stink and funk you've had to just sit there with, the day is coming where you are going to be going from the prison to the palace. The day is coming where you are going to see the truth and the fullness that God has for you. The day is coming where you're going to be free. But freedom is a choice you got to make. You know, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about here, if you haven't, if you don't know God, and this is like your first time hearing this, I totally get it. Some of the stuff you understand, some of the stuff you might not. But if you don't know God, it's more than just saying a prayer. It's a commitment and it's a walk. And what I want to do right now, if you just take a moment, by by your heads, every eye closed. If you don't know God, I want to take a moment to lead you in a prayer. And then after that, I want to pray a special blessing for those who need that freedom. If you don't know God right now, just pray this prayer. Father, I come to you right now, a sinner, lost. God, I pray right now. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And Father, I believe that you have a greater purpose and destiny for me greater than anything that I've endured in my past. And I choose to follow you from this day forward the best way I know how. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray right now Thank you for this weekend. Thank you for this country that we live in. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for how you have brought us here to this moment right now. And Lord God, we just pray right now that you would help us and give us the courage to walk in the freedom that your son gave us and died for us. Lord, we pray that you would enable us to stay focused on you and keep our kingdoms aligned to your will. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.